How bad is Missouri's defense? What makes Connor Bazelak tick at quarterback? And is Missouri as confident about a win against Tennessee just as Tennessee is as confident about a win at Missouri? That's coming up today on a crossover edition with John Miller of Locked On Mizzou. All that today here on Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to Locked On Vols. It's your team every single day, completely free on all platforms, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making this one your first listen here at Locked On Vols, and today it's going to be a fun show. We've got a crossover edition with Locked On Mizzou. What about Connor Bazelak? What about that run defense? What about this? What about that? What about that um, Eli Drinkwitz you know, play calling inside the red zone? And, of course, Josh Heupel, it's a place in Mizzou that he is very familiar with. Uh, really looking forward to catching up with John Miller, again, of Locked On Mizzou, here for a crossover edition of Locked On Vols. Again, Locked On Vols, at underscore Kane, or at Locked On Vols. We'll hear from Tennessee football commit Cameron Miller on tomorrow's show as we continue to break down the numbers, the ins and outs, what is Tennessee at Missouri. That's coming up on a tomorrow's show. But guys, I appreciate you for tuning in. Great stuff from John Miller today. You'll learn a lot about Missouri. Here is my conversation with John Miller. Eric Kane here, Locked On Vols. John Miller, Locked On Missouri in a big matchup. Tennessee on the road at Missouri, Saturday, 12 Eastern, 11 o'clock local time. John, I, I feel like just, just starting from the top here, this is a, a huge game for both programs. Tennessee, of course, coming off a loss to Florida on the road, staying on the road, heading to Missouri, a 2-2 two and two record. The Tigers, a 2-2 two and two record coming off a disappointing road trip as well, the Boston College and overtime loss. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I've been kind of phrasing it in terms of you know, what Tennessee wants to accomplish here in year one for Josh Heupel. This might be a, a must-win game for the Volunteers. How do you see this matchup for, for the Tigers? Well, that's interesting. You put it as a, a must-win game. I think maybe some Missouri fans would say that as well. Now, I guess must win for what? What's the goal? I think must win maybe to get to a bowl game, possibly win six or seven games. Yeah, that's probably true for the Tigers, and I guess it's probably true for Tennessee as well. And, you know, I know Missouri fans very, very familiar with Josh Heupel and his offense. I, I watched the very beginning of the Florida game. I know the, t- the Tennessee had some success there in the first half for sure, but their first drive, a quick 55-second three and out. Missouri fans saw a little bit of that as well. How are you feeling about Josh so far overall? I'm just curious, Eric. Yeah, uh, you know, so far, again, it's four games in. I am not a fan of the up-tempo. I've never been a fan of it. And when I saw – and I knew his offense were always up-tempo. The spring game back in March or April, when I got a first taste of his, I'm like, oh, I really, really don't like this. I mean, it has its its pros and its cons. And, of course, you guys know, as you pointed out, more than – more than, probably more than me so far because you saw it a lot, a lot, uh, you know, more than I have so far. But I mean, it um, it can certainly you know knock defenses off, um, you know, the point of attack, cut down on communication. I mean, it can hit you in the mouth, especially drives one of each half is where I think it had it, it can be most beneficial. But you know, to your point, you go out there and you, you go three and out, and you take you know forty to fifty seconds off the clock. You're not helping anybody out right now. You're putting your defense in a bind, and we've seen a little bit of that, but also you know. Tennessee came away with no points. You've got to come, you got to, you got to take advantage of it. But that last drive before Florida, where a lot of people were saying Hypo needs to call a timeout, Florida was on its heels, trying to sub in and sub out guys. They were tired. They couldn't line up. 
and Tennessee was just taking advantage of that. So that's kind of the positives I see in it, but certainly they have a whole lot of kinks to work out. And, and a major kink for Tennessee is quarterback. Um, it's been kind of a, a rotating door so far. Joe Milton was the starter coming out of fall camp, the Michigan transfer. He is a create your video game type player, six foot six, 240 pounds. He looks the part. He has got the strongest arm in the SEC bar, not in my opinion, but accuracy down the field has been a severe issue for Milton and for Hooker as well. Uh, but he went out with a lower leg injury um, a couple of games ago. It's been Hendon Hooker since. And he, I think Hendon Hooker, the, the transfer from Virginia Tech, has done a really nice job. He can impact the game uh, a little bit more with his legs. <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, his accuracy has been pretty, uh, pretty spot on, especially – you know, from, from close around the line of scrimmage to about 20 yards down the field. Uh, Tennessee did connect on on a deep ball, a one deep ball each of the last two games, which is a step in the right direction. Uh, Tennessee under um, Hendon Hooker had three explosive plays, two of which went for scores against Florida. That's uh, that's encouraging. But Hendon Hooker as well went out late in that ball game against Florida. Um, as the week's gone on, he's been back on the practice field. It's been more encouraging from that front. Um, Josh Heupel's not going to give us anything as we continue on throughout the week, but I think Hendon Hooker is making his way closer to being available uh, for Saturday's game. And I think if he is, that would be a big plus for Tennessee. Yeah, I think for all the Missouri fans out there, I, I think if Hendon Hooker starts in particular, I think from what I saw, you'll see a very similar Josh Heupel offense, but except with one key difference. Because Drew Locke ran, who's now with the Denver Broncos, Eric. Drew Locke was obviously not a runner. So you're going to see a lot more quarterback draws, other design runs type plays with Hendon Hooker for sure. Taking advantage of his running ability. Not so sure if they'll do that as much with Joe Milton. Like you say, you know, he's more, he can maybe run a little bit. He's more of a big arm, stand in the pocket kind of guy from what I understand. But I'm just curious, you know, I know that. Josh Heupel loves to throw those deep shots. That's one thing he does. He, he runs the ball. He runs up to the line of scrimmage. They'll run it up the middle quick a lot, but he also a first and second down, a lot of play action pass, a lot of deep shots. I know first part of the season, Tennessee really struggled to hit those, but like you said, last couple games, they have hit, hit a couple big ones. You feel like maybe the first part of the season was, was a little bit worse than it looked. You feel like they're figuring it out. How, how do you feel about this Tennessee passing game right now? Oh, man, it, it, it's a step in the right direction. Um, it, it's been very frustrating for all involved, for fans first and foremost, um, obviously the coaches and the players, uh, because, you know, Josh Heupel, all the assistants. And that's one thing I like about Josh Heupel. Uh, he opened things up a whole lot in fall camp. Then he started channeling it down a little bit in terms of media access and then since the season started, we can't see any practice, which is frustrating. But um, we get to hear from him three times a week. We get to hear from uh, assistant coaches, you know, two of them a week. We get to hear from players three times a week. So we get to hear from a lot of voices, which is really, really nice and, and something that we haven't been used to here on the Tennessee Beats uh, the last three years under Jeremy Pruitt. But um, it's been very frustrating. They all say that they've been, they've been hitting on those in practice. And so, you know, that's why it's been surprising the struggles in the game drops have been an issue for Tennessee wide receivers. And uh, Josh Heupel said he never anticipated that being an issue because in practice, um, it's not an issue. And so I, I think it's starting to get a little bit better. You want consistency at the quarterback position, of course, and you're starting to find that in the passing game with, with Hendon Hooker to Javante Payton, a transfer from Mississippi State, um, who has you know, hauled in two deep balls for touchdowns the last two weeks with 
uh, Jacob Warren, the tight end, and, and Cedric Tillman, the big wide receiver, who are more of possession-type receivers. And then Valus Jones, who's kind of the underneath guy that you throw to. You're starting to see a little bit more consistency in the passing game, but you're still missing down the field. Um, Hidden Hooker missed a wide open Jacob Warren uh, thrown across his body uh, there against Florida that likely could have gone for a big game, maybe a touchdown. Tennessee uh, failed on a fourth down, crucial fourth down play on a, on a shallow cross on fourth and five or maybe fourth and three there uh, in the third quarter to where potentially could have been a touchdown. So starting to come together, still some issues here moving forward. Uh, certainly for Missouri, you look at that defense and, you know, it, it, it's been it's been a struggle so far. And, and to me, John, you can give me a whole lot more insight on this. The Steve Wilkes uh, didn't work out in Arizona, but he's a great defensive mind. Had some great years in Carolina. You lose Nick Bolton. That's a huge loss. One of my favorite stories in college football is uh, Sean Robinson, who started against Tennessee last year at Elon Stadium. Is, That's is right. A free, is a free safety with an interception on the year. But that defense for Missouri, it's not been up to close so far. And I think for Tennessee's offense, there'll be opportunities there regardless of who's available in and out of injury. Yeah, I think you're right. And the deal is, especially for Tennessee, I think this, gosh, if I'm a Tennessee fan, I kind of like this matchup, to be honest with you, because, well, maybe we're not the greatest passing team right now, but it does seem like they're fairly confident in running the football. and. To, to make the most obvious statement of the college football season, Missouri has struggled to stop the run. I mean, they really, really have. And just going back to last year, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, I think that might have been Tennessee's best performance of the season, that Missouri victory, certainly one of them. Yep. And what how they really won that football game was offensively at the line of scrimmage. The Tennessee offensive line just absolutely dominated Missouri. And considering most, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think most of that group is back. So my goodness, it's it's going to be a, a tough, it's going to be a tough road to hoe for Missouri to stop the run once again. And so to me, I don't know what Steve Wilkes can really do other than put a lot of guys at the line of scrimmage, blitz a lot, be aggressive, and just pray and hope for luck on the back end. I, I really don't know what else he can do schematically because I don't think you can just let Tennessee run for seven, eight yards all game. Yeah, what was it, 35-10 the final at Neyland last year, and um, it went all downhill for Tennessee after that. I mean, it really did. It's surprising, too, because Missouri, after that game, Missouri goes up, Tennessee goes way down. Um, and as far as the offensive line is concerned, you know, Trey Smith is gone. Brandon Kennedy, who was a six-year senior, uh, is gone. Jameer Johnson transfers. Awanya Morris transfers. So Tennessee lost a lot on the offensive line, but did bring okay. back, but did bring back some guys. It just. I, I guess I was just looking at the. I, I saw a, a graphic that showed that their star ratings coming out of high school, which obviously is all well and good, but maybe doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot once you get to the next level. So that that's good information. I know Cade Mays was a guy who transferred in from Georgia. He he looked impressive in the Missouri game last year to me. So anyway, that that's good info, Kane. Uh, Eric, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, of course. And Cade Mays is a good player. Uh, he'll play right tackle. He can also play guard. He can play any position really uh cooper mays his brother started a couple games last year at center but uh here's the thing he's going down with injury uh he's very much questionable in this football game and tennessee's offensive line is so thin right now when cooper mays is not at center you're taking your left guard jerome carvin who's a guy that's been here and played an awful lot you're putting him at center then you're bringing in another left guard and so for tennessee that's where you struggled um against tennessee tech of all teams uh tennessee of course blew him out 56 to nothing 
but you didn't see Tennessee's offensive line minus Cooper Mays really dominate the line of scrimmage like it should. And so for Steve Wilkes, if I'm Steve Wilkes, I'm looking at the Tennessee offensive line, I'm saying, okay, it's patchwork right now. It's not 100%. I'm bringing pressure up the A-gaps. I'm, I'm bringing pressure and putting uh, pressure on a guard who's playing center on a, on a reserve offensive lineman who has had some pass uh, you know, protection issues already struggling this season and, and likely Ollie Lane and trying to make it difficult uh, because – you know, the way I look at it, it's kind of like what you said. It's it's not been good defensively. So kind of what do you have to lose? And so that's kind of how I would be with, with the Missouri defensive game plan. But uh, we'll talk a whole lot more, plenty to get down in, in, into this matchup. Coming up here in a second, Connor Bayslag. Man, I want to know all about him. He is he is so impressive. And that Missouri offense is going to be a challenge for uh, Tennessee regardless. But let me tell you something about uh, sweat block. It is doctor recommended. It's doctor created. It works up to seven days for use and it's the dry shirt guarantee. And if sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's featured and tested on the Rachel ratio by firefighters, the bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years, over 13,000 reviews. And currently it's the number one on Amazon antiperspirant category. Wear what you want to wear. It's your little secret to confidence, and it's the must for everyone's toiletry bag. Whether it's for a big presentation on Monday morning or a hot date Friday night, maybe it's going to the Missouri-Tennessee game on a Saturday at noon. Sweat Block can be there to protect you from the back sweat, from the pit stains, from all that nasty stuff that we just feel uncomfortable talking about. I know it can help me. It can help you as well. If you or someone you love is dealing with these type of struggles, I encourage you to check out Sweat Block. You can get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com by using the promo code Locked On, or you can find it on Amazon and it's your local CVS. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, Eric Kane of Locked On Ball, Locked On Vols, excuse me, bringing some really excellent information about the Tennessee offensive line. Frankly, you surprised me there, Eric. So that's good stuff. That's that, that, that's why you're the Tennessee expert. Glad we are doing this crossover. But you know what? We've got a pretty good feel, I think, for the Tennessee offense so far. Let's maybe talk about the Missouri offense a little bit. Where do you want to start? with the Tigers on that side of the ball? Well, as Josh Heupel said earlier in the week, as Tyler Beatty goes, so does that Missouri offense. And I know Connor Bays likes good, but um, John, I, I know this is no news to you, but I, I broke this down earlier uh, this week. Tyler Beatty uh, leads Missouri in rushing 417 yards a game, receptions with 20, total touchdowns with eight, points with 48 on the year. His 176 yards receiving tied for second on the team and really only, I believe, five back of the leader. Uh, Beatty accounts for 30.6% of Missouri's 1,932 yards from scrimmage. That is that is incredible. He scored eight of the 20 offensive touchdowns for Mizzou. That's 40%. Uh, tied for first in total touchdowns in the SEC. Tied for first in total points. Second in rushing and tied for fifth in reception. So obviously a small sample size and two uh, inferior opponents, but uh, Tyler Beatty, where wh how much he's doing for Missouri's offense, truly incredible this far into the season, to be completely honest. 
And, um, and again, I feel like Tennessee has to focus on Beatty. And if you get a good game and try to stop him, then your path to success is, is so much easier. Yeah, I agree. And actually, just for everybody, all you Tennessee fans, you may not be aware of this. Missouri fans certainly are. Even though he's the Missouri starting running back and certainly the workhorse running back at this point, in my opinion, he's much more dangerous in the passing game than he actually is as a runner. Now, don't get me wrong. He's a solid runner, but man, coming out of the backfield on some kind of angle route or a wheel route, and especially in the screen game, he is a true, true weapon. And that that's to me his biggest thing. Now, what's interesting is, in my opinion, especially with the benefit of hindsight, I've liked Beatty for years now. This is actually his senior year with the Tigers, but I, I thought a Beatty didn't get enough action last year in particular. Now, Larry Roundtree, who was a, an absolute workhorse for Missouri last year, had tons of carries. Well, again, I thought Beatty should have touched touch the ball more. But ironically, now the problem is this year, really, Beatty is almost playing even more snaps as a percentage than Larry Roundtree was playing so far at this point anyway. Again, as you alluded to before, you know, kind of a small sample size. But still, Missouri has got to give him a little bit more rest at a certain point. And I think one guy that was actually talked up a lot by Eli Drinkwitz and the rest of the staff in preseason is Elijah Young, a guy who is probably very familiar to a lot of your listeners, Eric. He's a guy oh, yeah. from, from Knoxville, Tennessee, I believe the number one player in the state from that 2020 class. What do you know about Elijah Young, and what, what should Missouri fans expect from him maybe in the future once he gets rolling? Man, Elijah Young, he was so much fun to watch in high school here in Knox County in East Tennessee. I mean, you know, step on the field, he was the most talented player. Of course, most players at the SEC level – are just like that. But a guy that you know has good pad level that ran well between the tackles. Uh, he, he bounced it outside. He's got the speed to get away from away from defenders. Um, you can throw him. He actually started out at receiver, I believe, early on in, in his high school career. So they like to they they did South Doyle High School like to put him out in the slot and get him the ball out there. I mean, simply put, he was just a playmaker. And I mean he was quick, he was strong. Um, pretty much everything you want in a high school player at this level. And I, I kept tabs on him a little bit last year. He got a little bit of run, and and you're right. He's clearly, it looks like he's the number two option behind Beatty, um, and he's been involved in the passing game as well. But just seems like there's not been a whole lot of opportunities for him right now because uh, the way that Missouri uses Beatty. But I, I think Elijah Young's a guy that um, will be good for you guys uh, down the line for sure, and, and that's – talk about two <laughs> – Two running backs there that are Tennessee boys, and uh, a lot of Tennessee fans are kind of kicking themselves right now that the Volunteers didn't take a chance on either Beatty or Elijah Young. That's true. Tyler Beatty, a, a Memphis native as well, didn't even think about that, but you are you are absolutely correct. And you know what? We've, we've talked a lot about the offensive side of the ball. What should Missouri fans expect from the Tennessee defense? I think they probably know what the Josh Heupel de- offense looks like. What about that Vol defense this year? So in let me let me start out here. When Josh Heupel took over, he had I don't have the exact number, but so many impact players that had left the program, specifically on defense. Of course, you heard about Eric Gray leaving, Wanya Morris leaving, and a couple of quarterbacks leaving Tennessee's roster last year. But Henry Tuolotuo, who's a starting linebacker at Alabama, gone. Uh, you had um, you know a, a nice a safety and Keyshawn Lawrence, who <clears throat> was the number one overall player ranked in Tennessee in the in the past recruiting class. He left. Uh, you had DeAndre Johnson, who left and went to Miami. You had 
Uh, you know, Kevon Bennett, who was dismissed from the team. You had a Kovarish Crouch, who left to go to Michigan State. So the cupboard defensively was so bare when Josh Heupel took over. And in spring, it looked horrific at times. I'm not going to lie, just from a pure number standpoint. But give Tim Banks, Willie Martinez, Rodney Gardner, Brian Jean-Marie all the credit there. They have really done a nice job adding to this roster defensively, adding two players to each level in the offseason after spring practice, uh, finding some players and getting the most out of these guys so far. Now, long way to go. Is this a great unit? No, it's not. Um, is this unit going to give up a lot of points, a lot of yards? Yes. The challenge for Tennessee's defense is consistently putting better pressure on the quarterback, which I think will work out in their favor a little bit better this Saturday compared to, to at Florida last week. Because Connor Bays likes to sit back and 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 you know stay in the pocket and look down the field type quarterback. You can you can pin your ears back and go get after him a little bit. He's not more, he can extend plays and run, but he's not an Emory Jones. That should help Tennessee out a little bit. But it's getting pressure on the quarterback and trying to force turnovers in the back end. Tennessee did well with that against Tennessee Tech. It won the turnover battle against Florida, actually, but it was just one to nothing. And so for Tennessee defensively, it's experienced. It's not very good at linebacker. It's getting better and better up front. It's experience in the back end, but not a lot of players play in the in the secondary. And so those guys can get tired. And, and for Connor Bazelak, it's an opportunity for him to take advantage of that. Now, it sounds like just from what you were saying, the depth might be a concern for that Tennessee defense if they have anybody leave the game, for instance. I know at one point in the Florida game, you had a defensive lineman Latrell Bumfist, if I'm pronouncing that, if I'm pronouncing that name correctly, do you have yep. any up, update on his status? So Latrell Bumfist, uh, no update this week, as, as you guys probably know. Well, maybe not because he was just OC. Josh Heupel keeps everything close to the vest <laughs> in terms of injuries. That um, is very true. Unfortunately, he's been banged up an awful lot this year throughout his career. Um, he's already missed two games this year, Latrell Bumpus. Um, but he went down a couple of times in that game and came right back. So I don't think it's anything too serious we'll have to see. But even if Latrell Bumpus can't go, Tennessee and Ronnie Gardner, they play a lot of guys up front. Um, you've got Tyler Barron, who is um, outside linebacker but plays more as a defensive end, who is an impact player. Byron Young, um, who missed the first two games of the season, a lot of offseason hype. He's yet we've yet to see that hype on the football field, but he'll be a guy to watch out for in pass rushing situations. Matthew Butler in the interior, he's a super senior. Um, he is you talk about most improved over the course of his career. He is playing at an extremely high level. So those are just a couple of guys that they rotate in and out. But Tennessee will play, you know, upwards of eight or nine players on the defensive line, trying to keep all those guys fresh. And, and I think Rodney Gardner's done a really nice job with that unit. They'll play four linebackers. Point blank, the linebacker play's not been great this year. Jeremy Banks is uh, probably the leader of that bunch, and he's he's much improved, but uh, still a lot to learn about how to play linebacker and, and to play within himself. Um, but, but Tennessee's defense, a pleasant surprise right now, but still a unit that's going to give up a lot of points, a lot of yards. they got to find a way to get more turnovers. Well, that definitely makes sense. Certainly Missouri, the way their defense is playing, they got to get all kinds of turnovers as well. And, and you know what, Eric, I want to ask you something just before the break here. Dan Mullen, he's a really likable guy. Am I right? Well, oh, yeah. it turns oh, out yeah. maybe his defensive coordinator might have, he might be just a chip off the old block talking about Tennessee this week. He said, it's a much more difficult challenge than say, last week. And you know what, Eric, actually let's tease that first. I want to tell you about 
rockauto.com. And you know what? These days, there's so many different types of cars out on the road, different makes, different models, electric, gas. Well, now it's literally impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock everything you could possibly need for your vehicle. So why would you wander around that store Ask some dude at the counter who probably has no idea what he's talking about, and they probably don't have your part anyway. Well, instead, go to rockauto.com, save yourself a bunch of time, even more important, save yourself a bunch of money up to 30, 50, even 100% for your oil, your tail lamps, whatever it might be. So go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably, low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. And by betonline.ag. And I tell you what, Eric, I was a little bit surprised that Missouri was a minus three-point favorite over Tennessee. But after listening to your astute analysis, I'm feeling a little bit better about the Tigers' chances since Maybe they won't get completely, completely steamrolled by the Tennessee offensive line. On the other hand, so far, they've made probably lesser offensive lines look dominant. So who the heck knows? Whatever you think, whether you like the Tennessee side or the Missouri side, you got to go to betonline.ag. And when you do, use the promo code Locked On to receive your 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's double your initial buy-in just for signing up. Once again, that's promo code locked on for your 100% welcome bonus at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Eric Kane here, locked on vaults. John Miller, locked on uh, Mizzou. And again, thanks to you guys for making locked on Mizzou and locked on balls your first listen each and every day. Hey, Locked on SEC. Make that your second listen today as we head on closer towards uh, the SEC slate of games this weekend. Uh, John, you were teasing something there in the last segment. It's a little bit about Dan Mullen. Kind of what were you what, – what, what, reset that for us. Well, basically, Dan Mullen – this is according to Thomas Goldcamp, if you want to check out his Twitter page. But Dan Mullen essentially said that the Gators rested some fairly key players who weren't 100% against Tennessee last week. And then, well, following up, their defensive coordinator said it's a much more difficult challenge than, say, last week. So a little bit of shade thrown there at Tennessee. Any thoughts? I was just curious. I mean, you know, it, it kind of is what it is. Of course, Tennessee fans were were not happy with that. And uh, just kind of I brought up the question, and it made a lot of uh, Tennessee fans mad last week. Is Tennessee-Florida still rivalry? Of course, I still think it is. On the field, it's not being competitive. And, 15 years, but just the shots, the verbal shots from program to program. And that's a great example just shows you what this Tennessee Florida rivalry truly is. Um, in my opinion, it's, it is what it is. He's not wrong. Um, it's unfortunate, but he's not wrong right now. Anthony Richardson didn't play a uh, career Elam. Who's a really good quarterback did not play in that football game um, in the first half. You know, maybe they were second guessing themselves, but as I said this week, kind of reviewing the game, just where you are in this rebuild with Josh Heupel you like depth, and um, you know depth is is needed in the SEC. And, and what good teams do is they put away bad teams in the second half, and that's unfortunately for for Tennessee. That's what Florida did to the Volunteers 
uh, last week. So it is what it is, you know, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do it again next year. Right. Uh, I do want to ask you though, because from a Tennessee perspective and really from my perspective, very opportunistic is this game. I think this is uh, a game to where maybe the first to 50 wins and, you know, Tennessee struggled offensively. Don't get me wrong, but just because I think that there's been some opportunity there uh, with Missouri's defense, I think Tennessee can take advantage of it. Uh, Ty and Evans, Jabari small in the run game. I really think that there, there's a challenge there on the road to run the football and, and they can do it effectively. Um, you know, Hendon Hooker uh, is looking better as the week goes on. If he's back in there, can you pick right up in the passing game where you left off and improve on that? Um, I think Tennessee's defense might be, uh, you know, it's, it's probably better than Missouri's defense right now. How much? I don't know. Um, but I think Missouri's offense is, is really, really good. So um, it's going to be a challenge regardless. I do think this is a game Tennessee can win on the road. And so I think the fan base is starting to feel that as well. Kind of where's Missouri's fan base? I know it's disappointing coming off that Boston College loss. Um, I get that. But kind of looking at Tennessee, what's the what's the mood around this football game? Well, you know, I think it's interesting. I, I think that's a good question. I think it depends on who you talk to. I mean, I think with any fan base, especially especially the ones who aren't the absolute blue bloods of the sport, you're going to have the sort of woe is me portion of the fan base. And we all knew coming into this season, the first four games of the season, you had two likely wins, almost certainly one of them for sure. But the Kentucky game and the Boston College game were going to be kind of toss-ups more or less. You could see 4-0, and you could see 3-1, and you could certainly see 2-2. Two and two. So right now, obviously, Missouri's sitting two and two, kind of at the worst case scenario. So a lot of fans aren't feeling great about it. But then when you really look at it, Missouri lost on the road to a pretty solid Boston College team in overtime. They lost, you know, to a pretty, again, a pretty solid Kentucky team on the road by seven points. Now, if you actually watch the game, Missouri was frankly fortunate in some ways to only lose by seven, got some lucky turnovers in some ways. But, you know, it is what it is. The point is, if a couple things go the other way, if you're sitting at three and one, you're feeling much better about the situation. Now, just this matchup with Tennessee coming into this, coming into our conversation, I, I me personally, I wasn't feeling particularly optimistic about it. So I don't know. It's interesting to, to hear you say that you're relatively optimistic. I think if Frankly, if this game were in Knoxville, I, I would be going, yeah, it's definitely, I would definitely pick Tennessee to win. But since it's in Columbia, you know, you know how that stuff matters, Eric. Yeah. I mean, it really does, especially college kids, especially we've got real crowds back. I'm not expecting an absolute capacity crowd at Faro uh, this Saturday, but something close to 50,000 people and the 50, some pretty good diehard fans there. They're going to make some noise, you know? Yeah, fourth noon game of the season is coming up next week for Tennessee. But man, oh, we've uh, been Mister, <laughs> we've been all about that noon life so far too, for sure. <laughs> yeah, sadly, no surprise for Missouri or uh, or Tennessee. So um, I, I just I think it's got opportunity to be a great football game, and uh, I, I see strengths on both sides. And uh, here's something I do want to ask real quick as we we kind of round out this show. Uh, and he's and he's been Mr. Consistent really from the outside looking in um, since he took over the job. Really, Tennessee week of last year, uh, Connor Bazelak, he's a good player. He had a couple of costly interceptions at Boston College. You get that. Um, you you can't take it out of the equation, but if you do, he looked pretty good uh, last week. But tell me about Connor Bazelak and his his uh, growth really as a going from a true freshman uh, to the guy that he is now. You know, I just like Connor's decision-making for the most part, in spite of those 
two interceptions that he threw a couple deep balls that, you know, especially the last one in overtime to me, that's a pretty easy fix. Like if you go back and watch that play, I understand the idea of, okay, we're going to try to throw a jump ball here to our best receiver. But to me, you got to read the the pre-snap coverage and the corner there was eight yards off. He's playing off coverage. He's playing a zone there. So he's got his eyes on the football the whole time. Whereas if he's playing some kind of like tight man-to-man coverage, okay, if there's no safety over the top, go ahead and take that shot. To me, that's an easy fix there. But for the most part, what I like about Connor is he tends to take what's there. A lot of quarterbacks will, you know, there'll be an eight-yard pass, an eight-yard route that's wide open on first and down, on first down, and then they'll pass it up only to for to wait for something else to develop, only to take a sack. You know, maybe they incomplete it, whatever that might be. To me, that's one of Connor's best attributes is that he's a very cool customer and he just kind of takes what's there. Now, on the other hand, as we alluded to, those two picks, you know, Missouri hasn't been great on the deep balls so far. They've hit a few against Central Michigan and SEMO against lesser competition. But for the most part, Missouri is going to have to methodically move the ball and not make mistakes. And hopefully Tyler Beatty pops a big play here and there. Eli Drinkwitz is also a, a really good play caller, especially in the red zone. Missouri's been, frankly, unsustainably excellent in the red zone this year so far. So that's something to watch. But you got to give Drinkwitz a lot of credit there, too. I think he'll he'll definitely have a couple trick plays up his hands for this week. And, and nobody loves the flea flicker more. We know that as Missouri fans. And it's interesting you brought that up. Tennessee has been burned for a touchdown twice this year on a double pass. Last week against Florida, earlier this year against Pitt. Tennessee Tech, seeing the Pitt film, tried it three times against Tennessee and uh, just weren't athletic enough to pull it off. But the double pass, Tennessee's DB struggling to stay at home. And so if if Drinkwitz has got some trick plays up his sleeve, then that'll be interesting because, again, that's an opportunity for uh, for Missouri. Real quick, um, key matchup for me, I'll say uh, Tennessee's defensive line, pass rush, getting after Connor Bays. Like, again, I think Missouri will – Move the ball. We'll find the end zone. We'll rack up some some yards here. But I do think Tennessee, at a critical point in this ball game, can uh, can force a turnover, can intercept a pass, can you know may, maybe a sack, fumble, something of the nature, because there'll be opportunities. And I think Tennessee's edge presence with Tyler Barron, Byron Young, an opportunity to try to go and get uh, Connor like So Tennessee's pass rush against the Missouri pass protection, and of course Connor like that is my key matchup. I'm watching this Saturday. Yeah, and for me, I think on the Missouri side, the key thing that I'm watching is the interior of the Missouri defensive line because you go back and you watch Boston College last week, they were just consistently pushed off the ball just far, far, far too often. And if that happens again this week, I I just don't see them winning. I think if they don't have to dominate the line of scrimmage by by any means, they have to at least make it somewhat of a stalemate. Otherwise, I think it'll be just too much. It'll be just too much Tennessee. That's really how I feel. Missouri has been, you know, it's one thing to be mediocre or even slightly below average, but Missouri has been something worse than that against the ground so far. So if they can just hold their own a little bit, I think they've got a pretty good chance to win a shootout. I feel like you and I are kind of kind of had the same feelings going into this game at the time of recording. BetOnline.ag has uh, Missouri as a three-point favorite at home. I like Tennessee in this matchup. I'm going to pick Tennessee to win outright. Um, I, I don't know about a score. I haven't really given it a thought. Probably high scoring. We'll say 
yeah, I don't know, we'll say 45 to, you know, 42, somewhere around there. Um, I, you know, that's not official, but I, I have Tennessee. I, like Tennessee I think, I think the SEC games. network would enjoy that. I think oh, they'll yeah. take that score for sure. But, you know, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I, yeah, I don't, I haven't actually thought about a score yet, but since you mentioned betonline.ag, I'll just say any of you Missouri fans, if you like Missouri, I would actually parlay either the points or the money line. Just maybe take Missouri to win in the money line, minus 150. Parlay that with the over. Because I think if Missouri wins, they're going to have to score. I really do. Because especially the way the way uh, Missouri's defended the run, number one, the way Heupel likes to run it down your throat and at a high rate of speed, Honestly, that that total seems a tiny bit low in a weird way. So I'd parlay those together if you like a Missouri victory. That's what I would say. Yep. Same for Tennessee, too. If you're going to win, you're going to have to score. So, uh, John, great stuff, man. Enjoy talking with you. We'll definitely need to do this uh, in basketball season. Yeah, man, that'd be awesome. Can't wait. And yeah, really enjoyed it, Eric. Good to meet you, buddy. Good to meet you, too. John Miller locked on Missouri. Of course, Eric Kane here locked on Falls. Again, big thanks to John Miller of Locked On Missouri for stopping by, doing a little crossover as we try to learn as much as we can about Missouri before Saturday's noon Eastern time kickoff, uh, a game that Tennessee should get and a game Tennessee can get. We'll have more on is this a must-win game in tomorrow's show as well as Cam Miller, Tennessee commit, stopping by the show here on a Friday. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Thanks for making Locked On Balls your first listen here on a Thursday. Now, your second listen. Locked on bets, your boy Q, handicapping expert Lee Sterling, uh, wrong picks of the day, daily picks, blowout specials, all that and more. It's brought to you by betonline.ag. It's the Locked on Bets podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, give it a listen for your second listen of the day. Firm, firm show. Big thanks to John. Thank you for hanging out with us here today. It's going to be a big one tomorrow, guys. Don't forget to get your Friday edition of Locked On Balls before we head to Mizzou over the weekend. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody.